Let's do it. My first time on a podcast. There you. No, it's your second time. You're well, on I the, guess that counts. That, count, yeah. that counted. That's the best way to get on a show first. It, uh, yeah, as a group. So yeah. yeah, I was I was part of like so the first time I was ever on a podcast. I'm live with Jess Moore. He's part of the Columbus Think Tank that was named by uh, Thaddeus Russell. We're the Columbus Think Tank. <laughs> So, um, but the podcast thing tank. Is, yeah. Yeah. But it's more. like, we're, we're similar. Sh- we're fans <laughs> of pretty much similar shows. And it's interesting. Cause my buddy Damon Bing man, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm into different stuff. And he hit me up on Twitter. You hit me up through Twitter too. So it's like Twitter is where it's at. Fuck Facebook. Yeah, well, even though Twitter sucks now, it's still, yeah, it's, it seems like a, I don't know. I, you I just have to, you just have to know how to curate your feed properly. Otherwise yeah. it just gets unwieldy, but, it, uh, there's tweet deck. And I have just different groups of five to ten people in each one that I. Okay, sorry about that. I uh, I'm a professional, and the batteries went out. Um, no, I I think something with the Zoom. So I use this expensive piece of equipment, but if you have batteries in it, and I've put it on different modes to where it shouldn't run your batteries when it's plugged into the USB mm-hmm. and powers on, but I think it does anyways. Yeah. I know. <coughs> I have rechargeable so, batteries. Sorry. No. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay, we can. Uh, we were talking about Twitter. podcasts, podcast, Twitter, Twitter. Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the Twitter and podcasts and YouTube—that's where I get all my information. So, okay, so Twitter, you found me on Twitter. We like similar podcasts. You're a fan of the Death Squad shows. Yeah, I've been in. I've been having a job for about six, seven years now, where I literally spend the entire day listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos while I'm working. So, I consume way too much podcast. Probably about 10, 10, 12 hours a day on average of podcasts. I just talked to Diego Footer about that's the bad thing about not working is you don't have as much time to to pick. catch up on things. Yeah, but then it gets like nicer, me. and then you like that's why you get so opinionated. Because <laughs> then you actually develop your own opinions. Yeah, then you think about it. Yeah, it's it's weird. Well, it's like because we're so easily influenced. So sure. it's whatever amount. There's like there has to be a happy amount for what you can consume right. and digest. Otherwise, sure. it just overloads you. Yeah, that's for sure. You have to, and, and even beyond that, you have to curate the different types of information that you're getting in very carefully, or else you'll mess yourself up. When is the last time you watched TV with commercials that wasn't a sporting event? Not a sporting event. I was going to say, <laughs> besides a football game, where I'd prefer to fast forward through the commercials anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like. Just when I'm in passing at a friend's house or something, I'll see it. There'll be they like have shows on TV a lot. But do you ever listen to the radio? Regular terrestrial radio? Yeah. I mean, very rarely. I I almost always just plug my my phone into my car and listen to a podcast. Yeah, me neither. And it's because I don't want to hear any commercials and I don't yeah, want to see commercials. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> need people trying to put things in my brain. No, there's and yeah, you just let's yeah put what you want. Why, why let anybody else figure it out for you? Yeah, it makes me think about like Jay Dyer's thing is free will is is something that's earned, mm-hmm. and I think that's what it means. Mm. It's because it's like. You can be influenced, but once you realize that, then you just start influencing yourself. Right. I don't know why I started talking we about We don't have to get shit. into free will unless we, we don't have to get into that. free will. <laughs> <laughs> what is we wrong could, with we could me? go crazy on that for sure. But yeah, okay. So <laughs> one thing we wanted to talk about is I met you at Brett Vinach uh meetup. Yes. And I was and you saved the day because I was just doing pins and then I totally forgot about the ringside cafe and I'm like, dude, every time that that basement is solid. Yeah. For a meetup. So, uh, but anyways, I met you there and 
you you're an interesting guy. You you read similar things that I do. The one thing that I I see you kind of doing, and I wanted to talk to you about because you got really deep into financials. You actually listened to Two Beers with Steve, <laughs> back which from the beginning. Yeah, which was like in two thousand nine or two thousand eight. Yeah, probably. Yeah, around around uh, <clears throat> two thousand six, two thousand. I think two thousand six is when I wa- I watched uh, Freedom to Fascism, the Aaron Russo documentary yeah. that we both said was kind of our impetus, our really like launch, yeah. launching off point for diving deep down all these rabbit holes. Um, and I think I mentioned this on the School Sucks podcast about how the, the, the ideas in that I just hadn't been shown anything even close to any of that in my upbringing, my education. So, uh, and I'm just a curious guy in general. I've always been a relatively adept learner, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, and I just... I mean, so once did, I saw something that got me interested, then it was all over, and I went. So, when did you start like looking into uh, getting investing on the stock well, market? Well, so it was never. It, what got me interested was that documentary. I immediately go online and start researching some of that stuff, and then within you know a few Google searches, you come across some of the blogs that were starting to happen at the time that were talking about how crazy the financial and um, housing system had got, the housing bubble. Because that was like 2006, 2007. So really, like, people in Florida were, uh, realtors and stuff were going on these forums and starting to get the word out. And people that were following the financial system a little more in a, you know, alt sort of way at the time, which wasn't even really a term at that time. Um, but <clears throat> they were, like, going, you know, it was before Zero Hedge was a website. Um, Zero Hedge was starting like, 2009. And there's a couple other, like, weird ones back then. There was... Um, Talking. Oh, sorry yeah, about yeah, that. Sorry, good, I gotta get. Good, I get sorry. Um, there was um a, a realtor, um one called Patrick.net, where there's some bunch of realtors like in California and Florida that were getting on there and telling people how crazy things had gotten. And uh, Ticker Forum was another one that was more related to the financial stuff. And there's just a re- bunch of really smart guys on there talking about how things were gonna blow up with mortgage-backed securities and everything that we know about now. And I didn't really have an idea what they were talking about, but I started learning about it. I, you know, learned what money meant. That was like the big thing. The watching, the, yeah. watching the money masters and all that. I watched the money masters too. Fred, uh, who's the Bitcoin miner, I was talking about crazy Fred. He, uh, he's like, have you watched that? I was like, dude, I watched that when I was like twenty two. Like, <laughs> that was like I don't remember started me down the road. Really. Yeah, so I started learning about money. I think if you can start there then everything else really starts to come into focus. Yeah. And that's that's kind of everything that I've learned since I learned about money. I can relate back to the financial and how money works really at its core. And, yeah. And, it, and everything sort of it coheres more in my other um, research since then because of that being my first real, like, beyond normal education that I gave myself. <clears throat> yeah, so when when did you... So you you start in these forums. So when did you decide I'm going to try to take this information and make something <coughs> with it? Well, um, the, a lot of those guys on that ticker forum were traders. They were just trading, and they were like, "There's some really crazy opportunities coming up that you'll probably never see again because there's all these excesses being built up in the financial system, and nobody's really paying attention to it because you know, as we know now, when these mortgages started failing, they kind of you know, trickled up to the top and all those banks should have gone bust. Um, but as they did, as they were going, I had bought puts and uh, just out of the blue, I didn't know what I was doing. I was reading stuff so on the forum. How form. did you buy puts? Did so, you do a Scott trade account? <clears throat> yeah, or? I just opened up an E-Trade account. It was like 2007 
and uh, nothing had really happened yet. There was still like I think Bear Stearns happened in um, two, May of 2008. It was like late 2007 when I was really like it was like right around this time 2007. So 10 years ago, right now, I was on Christmas vacation, listening to some podcasts and reading this forum, and I was like, "Shit, this shit's really gonna go down next year." Like I, I would at that point, I'd probably been into it for about six months to a year, and I was like, just decided you know this is actually going to happen these people aren't aren't crazy and even at that point some more mainstream financial people were starting to come out with it so i was like all right how, how can i make money on this and uh then you start asking people are doing making the same trades buying these long out of out of the money puts do you know what do you know what put options are let's, and, and let's call explain. options Yes, I, I did so, at one point in time, but then I totally forgot. So um, <clears throat> they're essentially just like in, in sports betting, you make a futures bet where like at the beginning of the season, you can bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl before the season starts. And so, and that's and this very, very rudimentary ex- explanation of it. But you, you're betting on what's something that's going to happen in the future. And there's probabilities, um, and that's how they price the, um, the options. And it's a, it's a whole model called the Black-Scholes model is how they price them. But <clears throat> it's essentially the probability of something happening in the future, and you bet on it. And you're betting on so, that. So what I was betting – so you're, you're betting on stocks going up or down. So you, And the options are a derivative – when you talk about derivatives, options are a derivative. They're a derivative of the price. And so when it goes up or down, the derivative <clears> – <throat> the option goes up or down based based on – how uh, how much and how fast it goes up, and the the volatility comes into effect there to to, to change the price. So, when something is going down, so typically the volatility is increasing. The VIX, I don't know if you know about the VIX index. It's it's um, the measure of, vol- no. of volatility in the in the stock market. And so there's um, there's implied volatility, which is what the volatility will potentially be like in the future, and um, that's. That's part of the pricing of of an option. So when something starts going really crazy, like it did in two thousand, early two thousand eight, mid two thousand eight, late two thousand eight, the volatility starts spiking, which is increasing the value of the option, and the price is going down. That's increasing the value of the option. So when you buy these, and at the beginning of the year, nobody really was pricing too much possibility of this happening. So you could buy a lot of these options for two cents, five cents a piece. When you buy an option. The price is actually a hundred of the shares. So, for um, if it's an option is five cents to buy one is fifty. You pay fifty bucks, or no, sorry, five cents which was five dollars. <throat> so if you, you buy ten, you pay fifty bucks, and that would be, get you a hundred shares per that option. If you let the option expire, which means you hold it until its expiration date in the future, and then you, if it's in the money, then you get assigned the options at, or you get assigned the shares at the price. Of the strike price, it's a very poor explanation I just gave. Um, it's much easier to like to like probably write it down, but the general idea is you bet on something happening in the future. And in this case, um, well, I was betting on Lehman Brothers going bankrupt. I bought two and a half strike put options on Lehman Brothers for I think for March twenty. Now, didn't they create their own options of going bust? Like, how did how did that work? Like, how do you bet on something going bust? Like, is it well, I bet it wasn't. I didn't bet on. I mean, that's a poor way to say it. I bought bought the Layman March two thousand nine option put option at uh, two and a half strike, which means the strike is the price that you want the, the 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 stock to go to for it to be for the option to be in the money, quote unquote. So, I was betting that Layman Brothers was going to go to. Two and a half dollars, 
by March of 2009. And then obviously it went to zero in September of 2008. <clears throat> so that was like, that was my first trade of my life. And it's literally a hundred bagger. Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I turned a hundred bucks into like five, five grand or something like that. And, and I, I mean, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And I'd ask people what, even after Lemon Brothers went broke, I was like, so do I just like sell these now? Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, you just made a fortune. I was like, oh, fuck. So, so did you? Did so you that was it was terrible for me in the long run because it was my I had no idea what I was doing. I made a ton of money and I thought it was going to be that easy every time. And obviously, it's not. <laughs> so, so you still trade though? Do you still do? So I dabble. I miss. I, I've I've been on and off to a certain extent over the years, but uh, I mean, I've I've never had a trade that good since then. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's it was the best and worst thing that happened to me. I mean, I, at the time, it was great. I paid off all the debt I had at the time, and I was like, oh, it was great. I'm a great trader. And then, I, you know, I had some other options, too. I bet on Fannie and Freddie going down. I mean, these were all very obvious leading up to it for anybody that was really paying attention. There were, there were many people making these calls. And, you know, the big short, yeah, yeah. the movie, they make it out like there's four or five guys that really knew this was happening. There was several thousand people that made these trades just on smaller scales than what you saw in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, so what do you see, like, is there, I, I guess there's, um, like, are there options to bet on student loans going bust? I heard there's private well, options for that. Like, there's, like, in so the hedge like, funds. So, student it. loans, they're not, most of them aren't collateralized, like, like, mortgages were. And so, banks don't really own student loan debt. So, you, if you were betting on student loan debt going broke, you're just betting on the government. So, um, <clears throat> and at that point, you know, I guess you'd be betting on high inflation. So you could bet on like interest rates going up. Um, you can, you that. can but that's a, that's a long like proxy bet that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bet on interest rates going up for that reason necessarily. But I mean, couldn't you just buy that stuff low now with like 50 bucks? And buy what low? Buy what low? Like interest, like can you put put options on the interest inflation going up? You could, you could, yeah, you sure, sure. You could buy, you could buy options on all sorts of bonds and bond funds and and stocks that are related to bonds. Yeah, sure. Stocks and bonds. That's yeah. a, that's the long term savers thing. Okay, so how did you? Sorry, I didn't mean to get too. No, into, no, I'm to, I'm fine with talking water. about. All, I'm fine with talking about all. I, of I don't want to lose a lot of people. It <laughs> no, I bet I guarantee you, there's people that are interested in this and just don't really talk about it because nobody really likes to talk about it. So they might be interested. I've never heard anybody talk about it really on one of these podcasts. No, so. we'll be, but it's like real shit that goes mm -hmm. on, and I think yeah. a lot of people, you know, they'll watch CNN or something, and then you try to talk to them about bubbles, and they're like, "See, that's economics," and I don't understand any of that. So right, but it's like you know that's politics and it's really not that hard to understand if you just scratch yeah. a little bit under the surface but there's nothing in any mainstream media that gives you any sort of financial education can you bet on health insurance is there like a health insurance or healthcare bubble sure, or I mean, anything you can bet on the, <clears throat> the health insurers themselves yeah because i don't i don't see that seems like a pretty unsustainable business like i don't see how that keeps just getting more and more debt like, because a lot of creditors will dismiss that, and they're like, "Well, we're not even counting your healthcare debt." Mm, yeah, that's true. That's and it's true. like, so it's like weird things going on with debt, and sure. it's, and so, and it's important to understand. Yeah, there's, I think there's many things that could go wrong for excess debt, but at the moment, I don't see any red flashing lights. Like yeah. I saw in the lead up to the housing burst, where like 
there's there's such a good percentage possibility that that's gonna burst in this amount of time. Because I, I mean, because I've heard like the the thing too, and you said no, I disagree with this, and it's the uh, the idea that there's gonna be two dollars. There's yeah. gonna be the petrodollar right. as it is now that still trades oil. Right. And it's gonna come as a compromise, and we're gonna have a domestic dollar mm. which is separate. And mm. you said you don't see that. Um, I mean, in some ways that has already been existing. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Is there like it's like a and it's it's all like it, the it, 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 it seems it just seems like um, a theory, a very yeah, a very hypothetical sort of situation. And I don't know why there, that would happen with any greater percentage possibility than like cryptocurrency becoming more mainstream and that just getting rid of the dollar completely which is i don't know both seem like pretty long shots to me no i don't see him yeah yeah so okay so let's get into cryptocurrency so when did you first get into blockchain and because you have a minor um if do you want to talk about how you sure no i mean uh, okay so so i i've been into it i don't know into it i guess is what people would say about it since probably 20 it's been about Four years now, four years almost to the day when I bought my first one, when it was in its run up to a thousand. First time there when it really was in its first bubble, its first major bubble. Um, <clears throat> and I bought it like 800. I bought one from my buddy who had uh, made a bunch of money off of uh, selling some Groupon stock that he was a, a, an early employee at, and he bought a bunch of Bitcoin with it then. I was like, hey man, can I get a Bitcoin? I just want to get into this thing and figure out what it's all about. Bought one, spent obviously it went down from a thousand to like two, two hundred over the course of the next year or so, and um, I was mostly just using it to gamble. I mean that that's really all it was good for for a long time, gambling and buying stuff on Silk Road, um, which I never actually did. I never bought anything on Silk Road. Um, I know people that did successfully, but um, that's all it was really good for. And um, when it was price was going down and stuff, I, I, mean, I lost some gambling, of course. And it didn't really seem like it was going anywhere. I kind of stopped paying attention to it, got more into other things, nutrition or whatever was catching my interest at the time. And then at the beginning of this year, probably about a year ago, you started a little over a year ago as you were headshotted running some articles about how the China was moving their, using it to um, evade capital controls, which is a big thing that was happening at the time, still is happening. And that was part of the run-up that got it going up to a, back up to 1,000 about a year ago. And um, that kind of caught my interest, so I started like, okay, maybe this bubble is going to start pumping again. And then, sure enough, like, so it's definitely a bubble. I mean, I mean, I don't think it can be characterized any other way. I mean, yeah, we could still be in the middle of the bubble. Yeah, we don't know when the bubble's going to end. <clears throat> I don't even know. I don't even know if it's. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, it, it could it could go to a thousand retrace to to ten thousand. I mean, it could go to a hundred thousand retrace to ten thousand. It could. You could go up to twenty five this weekend and drop to to two thousand next year. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I do think there at this point because so many people are getting into it. Yeah, there will be a core, a bigger core group than there was up to this point. There was a, there's always been the core crypto dudes that have been into it, but um, now that it's really going mainstream, I mean, Coinbase was the top app on uh, on iTunes. At one point last week, wow. it's been in the top ten consistently for the past couple of weeks. Like it was bigger than Instagram for a day. Last Coinbase said they got over a hundred thousand new users on one day last week. So I mean, this is the full-on mania phase right now. Yeah, I mean you, that can't really be denied. 
I mean, you're, it's all over the mainstream media. I mean, this is, we're like recording this right now. I want, it'll be funny to listen, re-listen to this in a year or two or whatever. Because right now, like today, is the peak mania. Yeah. I mean, we are breaking to all new all-time highs. It's right now, the price we're looking at is 18842 on Saturday morning. And um, Saturday morning, December 16th. And ripples up too. It ripples up. It's up. I mean, we could look at the charts, but my, po- my, my point like, is, yeah. my point is that that there doesn't get much more frothy than this right now. No. And when that happens, I mean, you just have to just kind of step back, breathe, see how far ahead of ourselves we're getting right now. I mean, the only currency that's, I mean, any of this is really getting used for any real purpose is um, like people that are in country. People that are in countries that um, whose currencies are getting crazy devalued, and they're actually needing this to survive. Other than that, it, we're just speculating on this thing. But that's how it's gonna. But that's how it will go for a while. True. True. Because of the unstable. I mean, so I think it's very useful. And but even <clears throat> and we can because it's de- it's decentralizing in a in a bigger way, but it's not truly sure. decentralized. Well, yeah. Well, in the in terms of the bubble, though. Um, or the current frothiness. I just think we just need we just need some time to digest what's been happening. I yeah. Mean, and and as that just starts to come, I mean, it's just human nature to just get so hyped up about it like this. Yeah. It's not going to last, and it's going to calm down. And the technology is being developed, and I am optimistic in many ways. But we've just gotten ahead of ourselves, and all these tokens that are being valued at forty. I mean, we have so many so many so many altcoins right now. Have there's they're like all the Ethereum tokens that are on, they're creating all the DApps for. None of those are really being used at all. But some of the tokens are you know ten bucks per token, fifteen bucks a token. I mean crazy amounts when they were like literally a penny less than a year ago. Yeah, I mean, that that shit is just people recycling funds that they've made off of Bitcoin and speculating on these new ones. And once. Once we get some of the shake out from the ones that are really useful on the long term and the ones that, you know, are just getting which, speculated on right now. Which do you think are useful in the long term? Well, depends what the, what you want to use it for. So each coin could have its own use? Absolutely. But that would be a way to kind of decentralize currency, though, right? Sure, sure. Um, it seems so the, the, the main problem that's happening right now with Bitcoin as a as a network is the transaction fees, and that's something that everybody's talking about. I don't know. I mean, they just raised a bunch of fees. I swear. Well, who, who, I mean, so that, that's <laughs> that's kind of a misnomer by saying they raised the fees. Yeah, but because, like, so like so you're, you're you're transacting like Exodus on, did. You're tra- well, see, okay, you're still it's a misnomer. Yeah. So so yeah. Exodus isn't really raising the fees. Coinbase is the only one that would be raising any fees themselves okay. on their end. Well, the the, 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 fee, well, the fees, fees the fees the transaction fees yeah. is what is what the fee the the um the miners and the people that run the network. That are running full nodes, they're the ones that get the fees to run the network. Those are transaction fees, and those <clears throat> are created just by congestion on the network. Wow! And so that we don't have to get into the full backstory on big blocks and small blocks and all that, but um, there's been a fight in Bitcoin for going on, you know, several years now about whether or not to raise the block size. The block size is the amount of transactions that you can fit in each block that's mined. And right now it's at one megabyte, which is not very big. No. So 
I don't I don't know exactly how many transactions that that means in every block at the moment, but when you get times of real instability in the price and people are wanting to get in and out of it quickly, you see the transaction spike and the network can't keep up with it. So you get sometimes 150,000 unconfirmed transactions. And so in order to get confirmed faster, you have to pay higher fees. And so that's why Exodus is raising their, the fees that they're charging you, which is really just, they wanna make sure that when you send it from the Exodus wallet, it gets confirmed in a, a block in the next, you know, few blocks by paying a really high fee yeah. so that way they don't have to deal with the customer service complaints on the back end which they're getting they were getting a lot of i'm sure when people that don't know what they're doing and they're just getting into it and they're trying to move stuff around just like hey man my stuff hasn't showed up for a day what the hell is going on and they're like hey man the bitcoin, yeah, it's, the it's bitcoin network is though because it tells you we're going to shape shift and all you have to do but is shape shift but in or, but shape shift is in order to have Shapeshift accept the Bitcoin and transact in something else that they need that they need that transaction to be confirmed when you're sending yeah. them Bitcoin or else they're not gonna they're not gonna give you the next the other coin if they're not if they haven't been confirmed on the initial Bitcoin transaction because they don't want to get screwed if that transaction doesn't get confirmed so they're gonna wait till they get confirmed gets confirmed before they give you your other tokens so that's why so if that's you guys why are dabbling now. You're like, what the fuck is going? And so on? if you're just getting That's into, you're like, why does it cost me fifty dollars yeah. to send, you know, five hundred dollars in Bitcoin? And it's because of that. And it's because, and you can you can get other wallets where you can set the um, the fee is much lower, and but it could take. Three so there's a fee every time you move it from one wallet to another. Yes, and it, but it could, and it, but it, I mean, you can set it to like you could pay five cents. But it might get confirmed in like a year <laughs> or never, and that's and then and this is and this is gets part of another concern, which is goes goes along with. We might as well talk about this because this is sort of if you're getting into it right now, this is something you should know about, um, in terms of the fight that was had about raising the block size. <clears throat> there had been a um, a guy named Roger Ver, and you might have heard of him if you if you've started getting into the space. He's one of the two Bitcoin Jesuses. The other Bitcoin Jesus that I think most people would prefer is Andreas Antonopoulos, who's yeah. been on Rogan a few times. Yeah, um, he's he's the the cool Bitcoin Jesus. The other Bitcoin Jesus is Roger Ver, and he's he bought a bunch of coins really early on. He has been he owns Bitcoin.com. And he's been promoting it as a, a cash, an alternative to cash, you know, where you can go to Starbucks and use Bitcoin. But you can't do that right now with regular Bitcoin because you can't, if you were to go to pay $2, you would have to pay, you know, $30 in fees just so they would get that confirmed quickly so they would know that you paid it. No, so you right have now, to treat it like a bond, right? No, right like, now, Bitcoin is really, um, I'm going to use store value with quotes, but that, that is its current use case. Store value. Store value. And I don't know if I really believe. Savings value. I don't know if I necessarily believe that that to be true, but that's the narrative being told about it right now because the fees are so high that they can't use the currency narrative anymore. I mean, anybody that's talking about it as a currency can easily bash it because it's it's in, unusable as a currency in, in its current form. So there's there's other technologies that are potentially could fix that. But let me just talk about what happened with Roger Ver. So him, along with all of the Chinese, a lot of the biggest Chinese miners, mainly Jihan Wu and Bitmain, who makes the ant miners, which are the ASIC miners, which your buddy, yeah. which your buddy has, he's mining with. Yeah. And so they've developed a processor that mines the Bitcoin algorithm so much faster than a regular GPU that it makes it 
totally pointless for anybody without one of those to mine, mine. Bitcoin. So they've they they produce these miners and then they have warehouses with thousands of them and they they're the, these are the main miners in China and they get almost free energy from China so they don't have to pay for electricity. So that's where the majority of the hash power which is the hashing is is how you solve the algorithm that creates each bitcoin. The majority of the hash power is in China centralized in these three or four main huge miners that have all these these uh, ASIC miners. And so <clears throat> they they got to a point where them along with Roger both said, "Look, we need this block size to be raised or else the network's not going to be usable and Bitcoin as is the vision of Satoshi Nakamoto as a peer-to-peer -peer currency was the title of the white paper. Um, and it was so something else was peer-to-peer -peer, and the idea was to be a peer-to-peer -peer cash system that was being lost. <clears throat> so in order, in order to make the system better, they wanted to increase the block size so you can fit more transactions in each block. You know, if we increase it enough, you can get can get maybe enough transactions to make it more usable. Um, it's, it would never still be capable of reaching the same scalability as like a Visa, who's running like 20,000 transactions a second. Bitcoin is only doing 10. That's crazy. So I think that the, you can check me on those numbers, but it's, it's relatively close to that. Um, <clears throat> so in order to increase the block size, you need to get all these coders on board. Bitcoin Core is is this group of coders that code the the improvements in Bitcoin code. Yeah, and you, it's I'm not exactly sure how you get in, to get involved. You pretty much just have to write really good code, put it on GitHub. The people that are in charge of it accept the code as okay. This is good, and we'll we'll and we'll code so it. So who's in charge of it? Nobody, nobody really. It's just kind it's of just like anonymously. Mm, they're not anonymous. They're they're all most of the core group are named. You know, whoever knows who they are. Um, most dudes that got into it really early probably have a lot of Bitcoin themselves and want to preserve the system as they saw how it should be from the beginning. And some of this, they also, also some of them work for a company called Blockstream. And Blockstream <laughs> is also owned by, was given a huge sum of money to start from an um, international insurance conglomerate, which is an interesting side note that not many people know. So what, who is this insurance conglomerate? Uh, I knew you were asking me the name. Um, what's, you, what's could, you could look it up. You could look it up. They they got uh, uh, it's um it's like the biggest it's the biggest global insurer. Um, it's not map free. No, it's not I'm map just free. Just kidding. Because <laughs> it's map free. Yeah, city. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a Columbus joke. <laughs> um, Save the crew. No, you can look at you. I'm sh you can you can Google that. I, I just looked it up the other day, and it's I even went to their website. It's on the website. Like they say, it was part of one of their like side things where they just give like forty million dollars to a bunch of different companies that are doing innovative stuff in certain tech spaces, that sort of thing, and um, some seed funding was what it was from one of their venture arms. And um, so isn't there a new coin called Seed Coin or something like that? I've heard and of seed and coin. it takes like missing. It's like a, I've. I've heard, of it. I've heard of it. Let me, let me finish this block, yeah, yeah, the block yeah, yeah, size sorry. story because this is important for the future of Bitcoin in general. Yeah, and, sorry. And like the actual value of it and, and why we should be speculating on it in the first place. <clears throat> and so, so these the Chinese miners and Roger Ver eventually they they couldn't get the Bitcoin Core people to agree to increase the block size and and scale Bitcoin in the way that they wanted. So the miners and Roger Ver essentially created. This new 
um, coin called Bitcoin Cash, which um, took the same, almost almost the exact same Bitcoin code and create, and forked it at, back in August, I think. And um, everybody that had Bitcoin at the time got Bitcoin Cash. But on Bitcoin Cash, the, the block size is two megabytes at the moment, and they have they have a roadmap to increase it up to eight megabytes in the very near future, and I think even beyond that, because at that point, when the blocks get that big, it's so the the um, the size of the blockchain gets so big that for any individuals like us, any random person that wants to run a full node, you have to download the entire blockchain too. So um, it pretty much gets unfeasible for any normal person to run a full node, which is what you can do with the one megabyte block size on on the regular Bitcoin right now. Still, like if you wanted to go home, you could buy the buy a all the right the right hardware and software. You could run a full node for yourself. You could help, quote unquote, secure the Bitcoin network yourself from your node at your house by confirming, helping to confirm the transactions. And that's that's like the the main vision I think of Bitcoin in general is that that's the that's the peer to peer decentralized currency. And that's the model. And so when you start getting these bigger blocks, that becomes impossible. And the only people that can really run full nodes are huge data data centers essentially. And so that's what's that's the vision of Bitcoin Cash now. They've taken that, and that's what they're going to go with these. And and where this gets dangerous, I think, for Bitcoin, is this. There's there's complicated algorithms for figuring out profitability profitability for mining a certain coin. And so right now, it's more profitable to mine Bitcoin than Bitcoin Cash because Bitcoin right now is almost nineteen thousand dollars, and Bitcoin Cash is only. 1700 or something like 1800 and even though bitcoin cash is easier to mine it still doesn't make up for the difference so right now most of these miners the chinese miners that helped that are behind bitcoin cash like side note the guy you can only buy ant miners on their website of bitmain which is these chinese miners yeah. you can only buy them with bitcoin cash so that's that gives you, to give you an idea of of what they're really supporting long term and so this my is, buddy got his on ebay yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. The, you can you can get them a lot of different places now, but if you want to buy it through their their actual company website, you they only accept Bitcoin Cash. Interesting. So, what that means is, I think I'm speculating now that in the future, at some point, those miners will start to point their hashing power at the Bitcoin Cash chain, and they there was a a scare in early was it early November end of November. Whenever, whenever it was when it dropped from eight thousand to five thousand, I think it was like November twelfth or something like that. And um, if you look, go back and you can look at the charts, and you can there's charts where you can I can pull it up right now. That obviously the listeners won't be able to to see it, but if you go to fork.lol, that's a real website. Fork.lol. <laughs> has to be a troll. <laughs> well, we're we're talking about cryptocurrency, so it's mostly trolls. Yeah. Um. So you can look at here's the proof of work tab here and you can look at the current hash rate of the different chains so the yellow line here is the bitcoin core chain this is the hash power that it's getting right now which looks like about 12 exahashes per second and bitcoin cash is only getting about one exahash per second and that's because right now bitcoin's just way more profitable to mine but back in november 12th it's not on this chart at the moment, but you you would see you would have seen a huge spike in the hash rate of Bitcoin Cash because all those miners, at the, for Bitcoin Cash p- 
price spiked from like 300 to like 2500 that weekend. Yeah. So over that course of that two days, it was like a Friday and Saturday night. It was fucking crazy on Twitter. Like, I mean, and people were really going crazy because people that knew what was actually happening were understanding that this could be like the literal death knell for Bitcoin. Because mm. what happens is they, they, got, above, they got above a 50% hash rate. And so, and so what that meant was only every Bitcoin block was taking like 30 minutes or more to create because there was so little hash power. So the Bitcoin network itself was getting completely slowed down and nobody's, nobody's transactions were getting confirmed unless you were putting like a $100 fee on that. So that's why the price spiked down. Eventually things kind of leveled out. But that just gives you an idea of the potential possibilities of how the Bitcoin network could get taken down. So if it gets taken down, it's going to be from an altcoin. So what, no, mm, I mean, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way, but it's really just somebody's. It's really just enough it. mining. If you get enough hash power pointed at another coin, and, and what would, what would have happened if that would have lasted another three or four days, if they would have continued to do that, then the the chain would have actually frozen up because they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have found another block for so long that then. The other blocks start getting found on Bitcoin Cash, and it's just over. And you can and all the, conf- all the all the transactions are stuck, and it's over. So do all the so do all the currencies share the same block essentially? All all the current you mean all the altcoins? So it's it all? No, it's all for, no, 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 not, not. But Bitcoin has a, there's been a lot of coins that have used some of Bitcoin's code in their code because it was there open and source here and it's open source, and you can. But no, there's. I mean, there's dozens of different out, out so the the algorithm that that the computers run to yeah. create a Bitcoin is called SHA-256, I think, and that's that's just the the mathematical code they're running to to find whatever the answer is that they're looking for, and once they find it, and enough other miners confirm it, then the, then a coin gets created. So what? So um, all the sorry. So all the currencies. A lot of currencies have different. Like Litecoin has one called Script, um, and so there's there's dozens of these, and, and a lot of coins use the same ones, but there's a lot of different ones. How hard is it to to mine Litecoin? Uh, it's probably a little easier. Than, I mean, it's easier than Bitcoin at the moment, but it's it's not something that I would recommend any home miner to start mining unless you have a bunch of ASIC miners. Really. Okay. Which are you know going to cost you several thousand. So dollars. if you got if you got done with like the bit miner, could you convert that to Litecoin? Wait, say that again. So like my buddy has bit miners and they only last for so long, and then you have to update them to. to no, because so he has ant miners that are mining Bitcoin. Yeah. So those are those are only solving for the SHA two fifty six algorithm to mine Litecoin. You have to solve the script algorithm. Okay, and so you would need a completely different processor to do that for the not not necessarily if you have a GPU like here, but um, if you if you're using the ASIC miners, they're very specified to each algorithm. Interesting. A lot of that might have went over people's heads in my head. I'm just kidding. <laughs> solving math equations is pretty much what it is. It's constantly yeah, solving a math. That's equation. that's what cryptocurrencies are. Yeah. Um, that's what life is, man. <laughs> solving, solving math equations. So what? So I was asking you beforehand. What do you think? And we can get into what you're mining after, but sure. I, I'll just I'll say say briefly about this. Yeah. So, 
this is actually a good example of what we were just talking about. So um, part of if you want to start mining now, how I would recommend it if if you really – well, first of all, I would not recommend mining at all right now. If you have enough money to buy cards, I would recommend just finding some coins you like and just buying them directly. That's what I told all my buddies, but he didn't listen to me and spent five grand on a bunch of cards, and now he's moving, and now I might be getting a big mining rig in my house that I don't really want anything to do with, but if he's going to let me – have it here for free i'll mine some and keep keep track of it but my my point is mining is kind of a hassle like this is just with i have one gpu it's this is my regular computer that i use every day for everything and i don't mine on it 24 7 but my but i'm mining this altcoin called denarius and the reason i'm i'm choosing this one to mine one is because i i think the developer behind it is, is serious this time with what he's doing i like some of the features he's putting into it but the main reason is it's the algorithm it's using it was a new algorithm he created this is a, a former developer for dash okay that created this uh, do you know dash yeah dash, dash is actually big in in, in um Farmers markets and and with the Cody the the dudes that were in the, that doing their podcast out of Cody Wilson's headquarters down there I was telling you about yeah. I think it's called the Bitcoin Podcast Network or something like that if you want to check it out it's some Bitcoin network that has like five different podcasts on it and um, they're big into Dash like they one of their guys just did a tour around the country over the summer trying to promote Dash and a lot of cannabis shops actually and where it's where it's legalized. Um, that was like his big push because obviously the cannabis shops can't work in the banking regular banking system. Mm -hmm. So I think it, they could potentially be a good answer for a lot of them. Obviously, you probably wouldn't be uh, complying with you know the compliance rules of whatever the state is if you're using cryptocurrency instead of reporting it on your taxes like they want you to. But um, I think it is an option. Yeah. If you want to get crazy with it, so so I'm mining this coin because the algorithm is very light on my GPU. I don't notice any difference in my electric bill, which is a huge problem with a lot of miners. Like your buddy, if he's mining on his, I mean, you, I don't know if he told you what the details of his power bill are, but uh, he's they, trying to figure out to get lower they, power. They can it. get cra they can get crazy. He was worried about getting raided. And yeah. Thinking that he's growing. Weed. Exactly. No, that's that's what happens a lot. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm. I haven't noticed any difference in my in my electricity bill. It's very light. I, my GPU hasn't suffered at all from it. So that's. And I'm just spe speculating on it. It was worth eighteen cents a few months ago. It was worth eighty cents a week ago. It's worth sixty cents today. I have like a few hundred of them, and I'm just you know mining them to a wallet and just seeing what happens. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so what do you think? Um, you said you don't see blockchain. You, this is something you said earlier. Blockchain is just the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, as far as the technology goes, it's just the first step of, of what a decentralized ledger can look like. And um, the current model, as we've been talking about, has a lot to be desired um, as far as being used for an everyday use case. Yeah, one thing my buddy said is his, he knows uh, he went to Amsterdam with like a another buddy, his wife and a friend and her brother and my buddy's this is gonna sound so my buddy's wife's brother. <laughs> he uh I've never met him, but apparently he like urban homesteads and his whole his whole yard is food, but I don't think he sells it or anything. Mm. But he has a ton of, of Bitcoin and crypto. Mm -hmm. And Chuck said it's pretty impressive, but he had a really hard time finding a place to get Euros. 
Mm. Like it was hard for him to try to exchange it when yeah. he went over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, I think that that is that will be the best barometer to use going forward as yeah. the, as the bubble sort of starts to. I'm not even saying that it's going to pop and we're going to go from twenty thousand to two thousand. It's possible because a lot of people just don't want to sell, so there's not a lot of liquidity in the market because there's only like a million or two bitcoins that people are really fighting for at this point, um, and so obviously more get made all the time. But it it could. It could just, you know, we could coast along the bounce between like ten and twenty thousand for the next year or two. I mean, I could see something like that happening. Um, and so, but I think the the best long term way that we could really see it, all cryptocurrencies, I think, start getting re- a real value is if you just start seeing people doing everyday transactions with them. I mean, I saw there was an article the other day with some dude in Miami selling his big condo, but he's only accepting Bitcoin. And I'm like, okay, those are the sorts of stories that you really want to start seeing if you expect this to really start taking hold and not just be a speculation. So accepting cryptocurrency now for farm goods at a farmer's market, it just isn't a good idea because it's going to cost too much to even get it to transfer from one Not if you just get people sending you Dash or sending you Litecoin or sending you anything, pretty much anything besides Bitcoin at this point. Bitcoin Cash would be a great option. I mean, anything that um, is, a, is a solid developer base behind it, I mean, is, I mean, Vertcoin, you could have them, you, there's a, Coinpayments.com, I think, is an you can it's an app. I think you can do it on your phone, and you can just you can do all the all the coins. You can accept all you can accept all the coins. I mean, I I tried to get um you know I'm I've been involved with the Worthington Farmers Market, so um I was doing a lot of their design for their signs and stuff. And two or three years ago, when I was designing some of their information signs, I want I wanted to put a little QR code on the bottom for don for Bitcoin donations, and uh, the manager was like, I don't like I don't like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, man, if you had only gotten like one Bitcoin donation now, you'd be like, oh, thank I you made so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting, man. So, um, what do you think the next the next thing is? Um, you were saying something like, well, what's the next? So, thing so there's this there's this one thing that nobody's really talking about yet, and it's called hash graph, and they don't there's no public chain for it, but it's um, a new way of building blocks essentially that increases the um, scalability significantly to almost to levels that you currently see in our current financial system um, as far as just like everyday credit card transactions. And um, it was being developed behind the scenes by, this is is a Cena press release, but I also have a buddy who um, works in the credit union industry and they've been working with this company to develop this technology so it will become all of the credit unions back end that's a big deal yes like that's a huge deal because it i looked in i mean so in uh if we wanted to come together and start a credit union all we need is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. yeah and then we could start our own credit union right what if we started a cryptocurrency credit union that would be where it would be that would be where it's at there we go. We gotta. That's for the Columbus think tank. <laughs> How do we start a cryptocurrency credit union? Uh, st- <laughs> well, we could uh, we could do a token sale. <laughs> have an, have an, we could have an ICO. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I don't know. We'd have to uh, get people that are interested in in us seeding with some of their own crypto. Yeah, that's how it have to go. It'd be it'd be interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I would look for things like that. That 
and that might, that's not even really an investable thing as far as our speculation goes. I mean, that's just, I think that's where we're going to, you're going to see a lot of the future of blockchain is a lot of um, private networks, you know, the banks can save a lot of money in fees and they're just sending between banks on their back end if they develop their own private um, blockchain decentralized ledger. Is that the idea behind Ripple? Um, sort of. I mean, I I don't think the banks are going to be the ones using Ripple, though. No. I mean... It seems like it's it, getting co-opted. It seems... Ripple, for anybody who's been in cryptocurrency for more than a year... I got it for 18 cents, and so now it's worth is, 76 is a, cents. It's a total joke, and I can respect the trade and anybody that's made money on it. Because when it first came out, they were literally just giving them away, and they were worth like point zero 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 one penny. And and like they literally like you could get into like 2014 you could sign up for a Ripple wallet and they would just give you 50 Ripple, and or more. I mean you get it, like having less than a thousand Ripple wasn't even like a thing before. Like this yeah, year. I wish I had a thousand Ripple now. And um, but the point being is that Ripple isn't really a cryptocurrency. It's cryptocurrency enough as far as like we talk about it, but. It's it's more of just like a, a centralized database than a cryptocurrency, and um, yeah, there's no limitation on it, right? And well, there is some limitation, and they just put fifty five million or billion uh, Ripple in escrow. So there's some things happening, but there's also like tons of Ripple, and and like there's like sixty percent of of Ripple in like four or five wallets. So and it was started. I don't know. It, it's it's not one that I think it could it could be something but um it's not like a, a long-term holding that i'm really interested in litecoin ethereum i like litecoin but um like if, if bitcoin fails litecoin's gonna fail what about ethereum um it's 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 too too expensive at the moment <laughs> dash <laughs> same and dash dash started the year at like eight dollars now it's 900 it's like it's zcash Zcash, um, it's just like one twenty. Well, it's getting up there. Zcash is almost five hundred now. And as far as these prices go, I think they're all overvalued at the moment. But um, I'm thinking more long term. And Zcash is one, and, and it does have some of the same issues that you might be able to talk about Ripple. Not in terms of it being an actual cryptocurrency, but in terms of being co-opted by other organizations. If you look at who's funded it, it's like every. Um, military and deep state type of organization like all the israeli intelligence all darpa i mean it's it has all that sort of money behind it but it's also being pushed by a bunch of venture capitalists and um those are some of the main holders of it um so i think in the technology behind zcash i think is some of the most important cryptographic actual technology that is in this in the whole market at the moment. Uh, Z, Z snarks is what it's called. So when you when you make a purchase or when you speculate, do you mainly speculate on the on the uh, technology? That's what I would that's what I would recommend. Um, if you're just looking for, if you're looking for a longer term trade, I mean you can you can look at the charts all day and find short term setups that will make you ten, twenty, thirty, hundred percent here and there every single day. Um, but I you'd have to be very active and a very good trader to, to make that possible. Yeah. My buddy's trading. I'm going to have him on too. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of people are doing it, but I think it, this is probably the easiest market you'll ever see to trade in your entire life because everything's going up a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> so all you have to do is kind of just buy when it's low and just wait for like three months and you'll make 10 times your money. 
and that's not gonna last. <laughs> no, that's not sustainable. And, and trading trading bear markets is uh, a little bit of a different ball game. Yeah. What's um? So we're we're getting close to an hour here. Yeah. Whatever, man. Um, whatever. It's up to you. We can. Keep well, talking. we were gonna go. I want to walk around a bit since I've, I'm an old man with sciatica now. <laughs> Uh, we were, we were going to get to some other stuff. So we'll close with this. If you had to do a put option <laughs> on whether or not John McAfee was going to have to eat his own dick in 2020. Um, and it, so what people it don't know, 000? yeah, no, he said it's going to be worth a million. First oh, yeah. he said 500,000 and then he just j- doubled down. So he, he was talking to somebody and he said, Bitcoin's going to be worth a million, uh, $500,000 by 2020. And he said, if not, I'm going to eat my own dick live on the internet. And for anybody that doesn't know about how crazy John McAfee is from McAfee uh, look Antivirus, him up. Look him he is, up. he's crazy. He's fun crazy. He's he was, insane. I wish I would have been John McAfee versus Donald Trump. That would have been a fascinating conversation. You're talking about it for one second. He put this tweet out yesterday, which will encapsulate it perfectly. He, um, he's on Twitter a lot. Obviously, this is where we heard the thing about him betting on it. But... um. <laughs> he claims he has 49 children 49 children yep he uh i think he's been he's running from the law like for like 20 years i mean you can look at some of the stuff up he got charged with murder in costa rica or something he almost he, ran for president he was on rogan's podcast talking about it at one point he was uh he was called in right he didn't even i think that's even, right yeah that was like one of the only ones that he did here yeah he called in <laughs> it's back when Red Band was still. Yeah, there. yeah, that was back in the, like. And the, Vice was the one that blew his cover because yeah. of the metadata. Yeah. They had that guy Rocco something. He was one of their editors. Yeah, and he didn't have his geolocation turned off in his photo, and that's how they found him. Idiot! You think he would know that as McAfee? Well, yeah. <laughs> so, but this is this will give you a sense of him as an as an aside. One of his followers does not like his name McAfee, so his follower said, "Just so you know, John." Mr. McAfee sounds dorky, dishonest, and quasi-derogatory, speaking from a human perspective. And he responds saying, it is my family name. I am more proud of my Irish name and heritage than anything else on this earth. And if someone considers me a dork, then they have never Googled me. I have been in jail in 31 different countries. I have 49 children. I have lived with seven women simultaneously in the same house for over two years. Parentheses, I do not advise it. I have been accused of murder and have been an international fugitive three times. And he goes on and on. So that's John McAfee. So put option on him going to have to eat his dick at one million. Um, I think in 2020 he's going to have to eat his dick. Yeah. Oh, so your put option would be eat his dick. Yeah, I guess so. That's more of a binary option. Binary option. I'm sorry. The binary option <laughs> is eat, eat a dick eat or dick. not eat a dick. <laughs> so I'll end with that. John McAfee's going to have to eat his dick. But it's important. I mean, do you think it's it's a good time for people to get into cryptocurrency? Uh, no, 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 no. Give it. Um, yeah, no. Just keep, keep. I mean, if you want to get in, put you know, put a hundred bucks in. That's what I did. See what happens. Um, if you are more interested in learning about it, you know, keep an eye on it. There's so much good information out there right now that you can quickly learn about it and um, look for some of the projects that are really have a good community built around them. I think that's big. And the the technology stuff, I think privacy is going to be the key going forward. And, and that's why you're seeing so many banks and so many um, uh, 
deep state type of agencies funding Zcash is because they're creating them and Monero are kind of in a fight right now to create the best privacy coin, which is private from start to start to finish. I mean, the current iteration of Zcash is very rare, barely private. Monero is much better at the current time if you really want to keep your identity private. But um, in the future, I think them and Monero, Zcash and Monero, are going to be uh, fighting for that. And I think those are where the probably the biggest potential is. Huh, I've heard uh, the guy who day trades should stay away from Monero, but probably for day trading. Yeah, a date. Um, yeah, Monero is much more stable. It, it kind of just goes up more slowly, kind of like a Litecoin trades. Um, I mean, if you're day trading, you want you want to trade the crazy altcoins that are going up 10x in a day. <laughs> oh man, it's a it's a mind fuck. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in, Jess. If people want to uh, uh, contact you, I'd, I'd prefer not. <laughs> Prefer I'm not to. Okay, but no. I mean, I'm I'm on Twitter, but uh, yeah. And if I called you Jeff, I meant to say Jess. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, no problem. It happens all the time. I don't know why I even said yeah. Jeff. Yeah, silly me. No, Jeff's my buddy. That all right, man. Trades. Thanks for having me on. No, this is uh, my first official podcast, and after when I listen to twelve hours every day, it's uh, fun to finally be on the other end. Yeah, I can't wait for you to hear yourself and say, "Oh man, I should have said this or should have oh, said that." Well, we. I think we should maybe have an, an ongoing cryptocurrency discussion because this is something that yeah. is only really, really coming into its own right now. And um, I do think there are some very good opportunities to use it to um, create local communities and, and transact outside of the system. I mean, if you had 100 people in Columbus that provided you all of what you needed as far as food and clothing or whatever and all of them accept a cryptocurrency and you accept a cryptocurrency and you could trade and barter with your stuff then what you wouldn't need a bank yeah so exactly there you go hell yeah all right guys thanks for tuning in all right make it a great day